So I'm going to welcome everybody formally to this Best Practice Network Talking Leadership podcast series uh, on a really fascinating topic around about customer service and customer excellence. I'm joined by Eric Perez. Hello, Eric. How are you? I'm good, mate. Thank you for having me. Uh, happy New Year to you. And also, to you. three fantastic guests who I've worked with before and over the last number of years and, and hoping to, to work again. And uh, there would have been a slight international feel to today, but um, Paul can't quite make Singapore, but he's, 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 he's in Melbourne. We really want to challenge the role and the the role of leadership within organizations around customer service, customer excellence in terms of what their role is and then how they work within their organizations. So I'm going to do a quick round the table here. Paul, do you want to quickly introduce yourself for the audience? Yes, sir. Paul Schmeier is my name. Uh, my, my background's been very much in what you'd call traditional customer service or customer experience, starting with career in hotel management, which in uh, the last decade pivoted into uh, the, the pointy end of workplace and office customer service. I was part of a team that created a business called First Contact. And uh, as the name suggests, we look after the first point of contact for premium office and corporate workplace environments, working with some of the big corporations you'd know in Australia, big banks, mining companies, communications companies and the like. Uh, and as you walk into their beautiful corporate head office environments, we take care of everything from the corporate reception, meeting room management, uh, all those all those VIP customer touch points uh, that are becoming more and more important in the workplace. So uh, definitely interested in talking about uh, the way we, we, t- we take care of employees and, and put them in those front-facing customer service environments. Yep, uh, and thank you, Paul. I know you've worked across a number of well-known international brands as well as some regional brands, which is where we we ended up in in Warrnambool in Victoria. Um, Definitely, all those many years ago. So, uh, okay, Barris, your turn to introduce yourself. All right, I'm not on mute, so you can hear me. Yep, thumbs up. Good, wonderful. So, Barris Baz Osturk. I've started after graduating from uni, social scientist. So I, I love human beings in social environment settings. So after that, when after I graduated, I started with Coca Cola then went to Telstra, then hit the jackpot with eBay. I was there for a decade uh, with Gumtree Classifieds, made that a household brand. Off the back of that, with that courage, I had my hand at a startup, had one year runway, thanks to the wife. She's an accountant. She said, you've got one year to make this work. It failed. Then I became a customer experience product consultant for over a year where I was actually consulting startups, local and international, and then actually ended up uh, with a real estate software company for a couple of years. That got acquired by, by an American company. And now currently I'm actually a director of product uh, department of agriculture, working on this $100 billion target that we have for 2030 to turn our trade from 60 to 70 billion to 100 billion by 2030. And my, my experience is across the whole customer experience supply chain. When you think about marketing, sales, support, product, customer research, I've done it all. Excellent, Barris. And I, I remember us meeting that first time. <laughs> I was in Sydney uh, doing that net promoter score. And I think that's yes. where we hit it off and, and had that great understanding that we love this topic and um, and have continued to work together since then. And last but not least, Adam. Adam with a fantastic company up here on the Sunshine Coast called Grease Boss. Um, and, and I'll let Adam explain. Uh, what is your role there, Adam? Yeah, g'day. Thanks, Kevin. Um, look, Adam Moore is my name and I am the customer success manager for Grease Boss, which is a relatively new startup that's kicking off on the Sunshine Coast. A little bit of a hopefully success story in the not too distant future. Um, very, very positive signs as Kevin's been sort of privy to some of the uh, progression paths that we're on are pretty uh, aggressive. 
And, you know, basically I've worked in the trenches over the years from, I guess, a little bit of both of your backgrounds, guys, that you've introduced there from a bit of hospitality in my origin days, right through to business to business in corporate mining and, and that kind of uh, arena as well in other, uh, other organisations. Grease Boss is pretty new. Uh, and I've been with this operation now for about seven months. So we're starting to uh, really sort of, I guess you could say, dip our toe in the water, but it's getting real now. And so I'm glad to meet both of you guys on this call because I'll probably give you a ring later on. Yeah, the interesting thing there is we, we know the guys in Grease Boss on the Sunshine Coast. So a real startup going places and is really going through that growth journey. All those initial challenges um, of, of being able to deliver and provide the service as well. Um, and having known the team, there's a real passion about, about getting this right. Um, so Eric, quick question for you, just so um, across your leadership talks, has any of your leaders talked about customer service and customer excellence being a priority? And, and while you're just answering that, for the three guys, what I'd like you to do is think about how would you define customer service, customer excellence in three or three to five bullet points for us. So Eric, has this topic come across as being part of a leadership priority before? No, it hasn't. But I, I think um, just from the introductions there, I can see if leadership goes wrong and not understanding what these things mean for a business, yeah, it could go pear-shaped fairly quickly. Uh, typically, my discussions are around uh, employees and how they relate to the leader, but not necessarily the functions that we're talking about today. So we're breaking uh, some new ground here. And I'm an inquisitive fellow, so I've probably got a couple of questions for, for the gentleman on the call here. But no, it, it hasn't come up a lot. And I guess uh, one of the things that can blur how these things fit together is what's happening in the environment. And I would suggest to to all of us here today that maybe the, the biggest elephant in the room is impact of COVID on uh, delivering customer experience and customer service because we've had to rethink what that necessarily means. I'm not saying it's changed it forever, but I'm sure there's been some uh, big hits in the face that you guys have taken to rethink yeah. potentially what cust the customer service experience actually means. So from a leadership perspective, this gets very interesting. So yeah, I'm looking forward to the chat, gents. Oh, great. Thank you, Eric. So Paul, in a, in a, a brief, I know it's a big topic for each of you. What is what does customer success or, or customer excellence, service excellence look like in terms of in in, in your viewpoint? So, so, Kevin, in the in the context of first contact um, and, and the positioning of where our teams are, we talk about the first sixty seconds and, and the yeah. fact that you'll make up your mind about the quality of a of a business or its service in the first sixty seconds of walking in the door. So, where our our people are positioned, it's, it's questions like where were they anticipating you? Were you expected? Did did they meet and exceed your expectations? I think you can tell straight away when we talk, could be talking about whether you're walking into a retail environment, a hotel, a food and beverage establishment or an office environment. Um, does the person you're dealing with at that first point of contact, do they care? Do they care about you as a customer? Do they understand your, your expectations and do they care about meeting and exceeding those expectations? So there's a whole process and science behind making sure we have the right people, making sure we've set those people up to succeed. But it starts fundamentally with do they care? So, so for us... Yeah. The answer to the question is it's the first 60 seconds. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great one. And we're going to explore a little bit more, Paul, with first contact and, and the whole recruitment and where you've, and where you've recruited from, because I think that that delivers that as well. So thanks, Paul. Barris, how would, how would you summarize it? Look, unfortunately, customer service is seen as a dumping ground for majority of companies. It's an afterthought. And usually it's classified as a cost 
expense. Uh, yeah. Yeah, ex exactly. I've been there, done that, running so many departments and, you know, being across the whole supply chain of customer experience, uh, you, you know, you've mentioned it, Kev, MPS, you know, when, I'll keep going back to MPS because it keeps it human and it goes back to what you just said there, the empathy about caring. MPS is like, it's not that silver bullet. It's actually a, it's the pulse that runs through your company. It's that heartbeat that you need to keep in touch of, which will give you the signals to do the right things. When you think about customer excellence, it's about the customer experience through every touch point within their flow and how they interact with you. And customer service is seen as that retention layer or that last ditch effort to ensure that we hold on to our customers. And that's the wrong way to look at it. So if you want to think about customer excellence, you got to think about the whole touch points when you're onboarding a client, when they start using your products, when they actually talk to you. And when they do contact customer service, it should be about how do I enhance my experience with you? How can I actually, I'm using a part of your product. How can I actually attach B and C so I can actually have this great experience that you're offering for me? That's what customer service, customer excellence is about, where the customer service team has actually become client experience managers, not how do I I reset my password, uh, control alt delete. Okay, the blue screen of death. No, those questions, those customer service people can be utilized much better to deeper embed and retain your customers. So customer excellence is actually the whole, um, the whole gamut of all these departments that we actually silo into an organization where they need to actually start thinking as one. And that's where the NPS actually really comes into play. You have this magic number that says the heartbeat is actually skipping around here. So it's actually all our responsibility, not just the customer service people. Thank you, Barris. I think you've already opened up some real insights mm -hmm. there. And, and just to be clear, when we talk about NPS, we talk about net promoter score. Yes. Um, and, and in a real summary, it's about... You know, when you walk out of that door and someone says, should I go and use that company? Should I go buy products? Should I go there and eat? It's what your reaction is. And you're either going to go say, yep, go for it. Or you're going to go, mm, no. Um, and it's those reactions and those impulses which you're looking to really collect. And I love the whole customer excellence, customer service. Um, and that customer service, I can see it with that last chance. My phone customer service is my last chance to try and recover something, you know, and is it really seen as a value add? So I think we're, we're back to what we were saying there with, with Paul. So Adam, what's, um, if you want to just, just give you a summary. Well, look, I, I think I agree with a lot of the points the guys have already raised. So it's parallel and it's uh, in our case, it's a little bit more uh, all in one bucket uh, for me anyway, because we're such a small startup operation. I guess you could say we're everything from the janitor to the director almost in in each of us in the business. And uh, that means that we've got uh, a collective kind of definition of these things. So, so to answer your question, I think what it looks like to us the most, customer success is really about interaction and, and making sure that we've got a, a symbiotic two-way interaction with our customers. And, you know, literally it's as good for us as it is for them. So that ties into some of the things the guys are saying. It's, yeah. a, uh, it's, it's very much about you know, a net promoter score type scenario. Um, I agree completely with that. And I, I like to sort of think of it um, particularly from our uh, smaller perspective in terms of just one industry or one, one specific aspect of industry. We want to be their first call, right? So we want to generate a, a situation where we are the ones that uh, they will come to uh, to, to, to seek information and they know that they'll have a, a good experience and relationship with our business and our company. So the idea is to... Um, you know, want to become their first point of reference. And as uh, I think it was Barra said that, you know, you want to build the upsell uh, and segues to, uh, it's much easier to sell something to an existing customer if they already have faith in you uh, because you're already offering fantastic service. A, B, let's add C, D, E, F, and G. 
So, you know, I mean, in, in a nutshell, I think it's about interaction. It's about being the first call for me. And, you know, I guess there's in my mind a, a very clear benefit about having a very, very positive relationship through that whole process. In terms of feedback and transparency, interacting with the customers and turning what some see perceive as a negative into a silver line positive. And that's something that I, uh, I think a lot of businesses miss. So it's easy to take something negative, turn it into a learning and get better at what you do. Um, that's probably I, I think what's interesting. Yeah, that's great. I think what's interesting for me there, Adam, is and I, I was so now I know the team as well. I I don't see many job titles that talk about customer success, which is what your role says. It's the customer success manager, and I think that implies mm. something else and and different. So yeah. I think it's a, there's a real interesting mix in that title you've got, and there's a as you say there's an implication that's there that 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 hopefully you're building on, and I think is implied. With, with, with everything that, that's going on. Barris, can I come back and explore an interesting one here about, spoke about that customer exit being across the whole journey. So, and I think what is interesting now with technology, and you would know this with social media as well, that journey starts a lot earlier than, um, than what a lot of people, and can start a lot later as well, because now it can haunt you for years you know, yes. in terms of in, in terms of where we're going. And and there's been a lot of talk around, you know, avatars and understanding your customer pinch point pain points. Um, have you got a couple of examples? Because I think it, it's one of the missing links that has come out of the last two years is our processes have been exposed badly in a lot of cases in businesses, right? The product may work, but how we've got there, how we've communicated with people, how we've dealt with supply chain issues. Now we've got, for example, it's the one I'm hearing a lot that's suddenly realized is not as good as it should have been. Is, is there anything, any case studies or examples or things you may have done that can can just reinforce how important that is for that whole process? When we think about the customer journey and the pain points, Google have done a great study even four years back. You know, we have the traditional customer journey map that you actually understand exactly how they're stepping through your company and understanding that. However, they've gone deeper and actually looked at those moments because there's so much noise in our lives at this very moment. You get a ping from uh, Twitter, then you have your emails, then you have, again, I'm I'm totally into TikTok now, thanks to my kid. And it's an amazing, amazing tool to actually play around the the power around it. So the messages that you receive, these signals are actually vying for your attention. So the biggest point that companies need to understand is attention is the currency. Now, once you get the attention of your customer, engagement is where it becomes a key factor. Yes, you know, again, I'm a product manager currently, and I'm building products for the Department of Agriculture. Understanding the, the people, you, you mentioned avatars there. When you think about, yeah, this is the thing that we need to step back as well. Avatar desensitizes the people that you're actually dealing with. It's the humans that we need to look behind. So in this example, when you think about what Google have done, they looked at moments, those magic moments on how uh, information is being shot at you and the signals that you ne- actually need to derive. And those signals actually, as a customer, allow you to make a certain decision to engage with the company. But they're collecting this information well before they land on your page or let, land on your, let's say, marketing landing page that gets them to actually act on something. So again, the process, the process needs to start at the very beginning on how you build your product. Again, when I think about product, it's about how you build, how you deploy and how you maintain and how you actually iterate on that product to actually be better 
as it is, product or even a service. Now, once that is out in the world, then you have the marketing department, the customer service department, the sales department to actually ensure wherever the signals are, where your customers are, where your user segments are, you need to be present with them. I think Adam mentioned it, having that intentional conversation with your customers. You've asked for a specific case study, but I've actually gone quite broad, touching on Google, touching on... Uh, touching on the experiences that I've had with startups and also now even a government organization, what's really important for all of us to understand is if you want the right behavior, you need to actually look at the social psychology behind it to get the right behavior. You need to understand the motivations of your customers and you need to actually understand what their abilities are. Again, we refer in the in the product world, what we call jobs to be done, people hire you for your product. They hire you for your product. They pay you for your product. So you need to be able to cross those intentions and then placing the right triggers in place so you can actually engage effectively. So that's around positive psychology and understanding what those touch points are, not just in a customer journey map, but understanding that experience even before they hit the ecosystem that you've created for your product or service. Been sitting back trying to make some connections here, but the thing that stood out when we first started talking was that what you gents do for a living is considered a cost to the business. Now, from a leadership perspective, is it that, and I'm not going to say all leaders have this as a, as a deficit, but is it because leaders in organizations, be they corporates or, or startups, are not sure about the dimension of the customer? And when you talk about social media and engagement and trying to understand the motivation of your customers, that it's so potentially esoteric that they can't put their finger on what that is is they, it's easy to lump it as a cost so they don't have to worry or think about it. it does that ring true or am I off the market? Yeah, I, I think it starts right at the top of the organization at the CEO level. And I think it comes down to vision and values. I love to talk about companies like Apple. Kevin knows that. <laughs> I'm a fan. Yeah. But um, there, there is an absolute culture um, within companies like Apple, which is actually based on the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Group, which is all about empowerment. So if you walk into an Apple store with a problem with your device, a couple of quick questions, a couple of quick checks and balances, uh, chances are you'll walk out of that store with a brand new device. And now absolutely, there's a cost to that 100%, but they've done the maths. They've worked out the lifetime value of a customer. They don't want you to go to Samsung. They don't want you to go to a competitor. Um, so they've worked out that the cost of you walking out of the store with a brand new iPhone is insignificant against the cost of losing you as a lifetime customer. So that that decision can only come from the top, that kind of culture. Uh, And the key word is empowerment. The staff on the floor in those stores are empowered. They have one job and that is to make sure that you walk out of that store a happy customer. And can I just build on that, Paul? And I know obviously Barris nodded and I'll come to Adam as well there, is we mentioned about that motivations and moments from a customer and that that behaviours. Paul, because you've got a very particular focus and we know this because we worked together on this from the first contact, you've also really focused on your team and your people here. Mm. So because to deliver that, you just can't tell them, you know, you just can't put in. There has to be something within there. So to round first contact, you know, with, with um, fairly briefly, what was your whole strategy around the people mm. that were within your business? So I've, I've, I've come up with something that, that I haven't shared with a lot of people, but I, I almost call it, the, call it the four E's, which is um, it's engage, excite, equip and empower. So, so we start with engaging the right people. If you're not starting with the right people, um, you've lost you've lost the war already. So this is about employing people who who care about other people whose basic natural instinct is they want to make someone else's day better. So that's where we start. So our recruitment and selection process is very much around behavior. It's very much around attitude. It's around who is this person sitting in front of me 
And do they genuinely get a buzz out of helping other people? If we start with that, we can do anything. But then we've got to excite those people and get them unified behind a common goal. So in Apple, clearly the goal is uh, it's all about enriching people's lives, but it's about the, that customer experience. It's about creating an emotional connection with the product and the service. So you've got the right people, you've got them excited behind what's, what's the goal, what's we're here to do. We've got to equip them. We've got to make sure they've got the tools, the technology, the training, uh, that nothing's going to stop them from providing those, those ultimate customer experiences. And once you've got those three, the final one's the most important. It's empower them. It's get out of their way and just let them do it. You know, so within certain parameters, brands like the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Group actually empower their staff to spend up to $2,000 uh, on, on anything that will either build customer loyalty or enhance a guest stay. So they can use their discretion and do certain things that, that are available to them to enhance a guest stay and build build that long-term customer loyalty. Um, so that's the, the, the four-step process that we use in first contact. We get the right people. We make sure that we've equipped them with the tools, the training, the the equipment to do their job. Um, we empower them and we get out of their way and let them let them do their job. That's fantastic. So Adam, I want to come back to, to Grease Boss now because yeah. um, there's part of, and I'm really building on this because I think it's real critical in terms of, because it's getting out of your box, getting out of your business and really understanding what's going on outside and almost inverting inverting the, the triangle or inverting the circle and putting the customer and the employees in the middle and everything else, because yes. if those two aren't right, it doesn't happen. In turn, because you're, well, a couple of things. You're a startup. You're a very good startup that's going to go places and go global. You have some yep. issues with regional and accessibility because you're supporting mines and all that, all that type of thing. So what's what's some of the things that Grease Boss are doing? Because you just can't sometimes get in the car and deliver or even get on a phone and talk to someone. So what's some of those no. key customer success things that you're driving at the moment? Well, it's basically a new world, isn't it, right, guys? Everything's digital, right? So we're, we're, we've had to pivot very quickly, even though we prefer to do many, many customer visits face-to-face when uh, there's a, a, let's say, a physical requirement. We've had to pivot uh, and design the entire product around the basis that it's um, a, a heavy remotely accessed and remotely assisted uh, support equation these days for obvious reasons. So, you know, at the end of the day, that's not a new thing. We, you know, I come from a background where I was already doing that before it was uh, kind of required uh, for my personal background. But it's uh, just fortunate that uh, I've already got that mindset from the outset with Bruce Boss. And that's sort of how we've already shaped the landscape. So the idea is to be able to remotely assist and scale as much as we can. That doesn't ever um, delete the need for site visits, but it minimizes it. And it means that, you know, you can focus on the uh, really critical ones that, that really require a presence. And I guess, um, you know, along the lines of product development, as we go for, further forward, we can develop uh, even more so along those lines, move towards, you know, other, other new technologies that are out there now, like, um, you know, augmented realities and, and things like that. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, tech that comes into our world as it happens that just plays to our favor, you know, but definitely I would say that's probably the biggest thing there, Kevin, is that it's, you know, to try and make ourselves as, um, I guess, remote-based as we possibly can. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah, I think it does because I think that's part of the thing. But it's, I think it's also by doing that, it's easy then to revert to a system or model or software or everything else. But there's there's still that yeah. 
building those as I think Barris used the words of moments, you know, as experience of of yeah. of being able to respond to those. And a bit like Paul yeah. was saying, you know, from that hotel experience is about that can be the difference between a lifelong customer and someone who's just making a decision Absolutely. on price or just I've had to I had to do it because I I had no other choice. And I think this is where from a leadership perspective, we've really got to understand what this customer success, customer excellence, customer service really is. Because the fact that the fact that someone buys your product or service does not mean they love you to bits and does not mean that if they have a choice, Absolutely. they're going to come back to you. All right. Is they may just not have yeah. a choice or no coming through. And I think this is the bit that I'm I'm picking up is when I walk around, you know, walk around and coffee shops or go into businesses straight away. And I love the 60 seconds, Paul, I, my last recent experience is, is 10 seconds. I'm getting a feel very mm. quickly about stay, go, what have I got to do? Do I want to do I want to engage with them? And, and, and even with, with basic principles, so I think it's about, but it's just not that first 60 seconds is when I come back again or when somebody else comes back again, are they getting that repeatability, which I think Barris come back to, you know, that's just, that's that whole of process journey because I can have the best glossy brochure, best glossy website, but the first time I make that call or place an order, am I getting that, that same experience? I think that's going back to your whole of journey, but we are talking about then it's the ability of the people or the empowered people to then be able to deal with it. Yeah, I love what you know. Paul said, engage, excite, equip, and empower. You know, I use similar similar tools like that. We, I have people, I have process, and I have tools. So the tools enable the people. And people, when we say people, it's not just the customer service people; it's everyone that you equip with the right tools. But then you actually, as a leader, this is where you actually need to really provide the guidelines on. This is the playing field. I see myself as a coach. That's what I do with my team. Where I say, look, guys, this is the play. We're going out. This is the next 90 minutes. It's the first week sprint. Um, this is what we're, going, what we're going to achieve. Let's go take over the world. You're all unstoppable. Be certain in your uncertainty and just tackle this opportunity head on. So understanding those moments and knowing that people are empowered to do exactly what they are, enabled by the tools that you provide as a leader and the gameplay, you just get out of their way. A really uh, close to home example for me at the moment has been the way the different airlines have, have approached their response to COVID. And obviously the airline industry is, is absolutely one of the worst hit industries um, over the last two years. But there have been some absolute horror stories coming from many airlines and particularly some of the Australian airlines in terms of how they're um, They've got customers waiting 18 months for refunds, getting no answer to anything. Um, my experience over the last two years in dealing with Singapore Airlines has been incredible. And, and I've had to move, cancel, change multiple flights to different places over the past two years. Granted, it, it does take a long time at the moment to get through to somebody at Singapore Airlines, but that probably can't be avoided. When you do get through to somebody and I've had to make three calls in the last two weeks, it's simply a question of, no problem. I understand. When would you like to fly? No charge. Let's deal with the problem in front of us and, and get this customer what they need. Now, two things have happened there. One is those staff in that call center have been given permission. And that, that's where it comes back to the, you know, what, what, what are they trying to achieve here? They've empowered their staff and given them permission to solve the customer's problem with whatever they, whatever's in their disposal to, to do that. Um, not all airlines are, are maybe in a cash flow position to do that. But the other thing Singapore Airlines have done very cleverly is uh, in terms of getting refunds, they've been offering 
you can either get a cash or credit card refund or you can take a flight credit. If, if you take the flight credit option, I think they're offering 20% bonus on top of the value of your ticket. So great, they can manage cash flow by giving people credits instead of refunds and they're giving the customer an incentive to do that. But either way, the customer is, is getting a resolution and, and a quick resolution to, to all, all sort of the flight changes and cancellations and things that are happening. But you've got polar opposites happening with different airlines yeah. and, uh, and, and people will judge uh, those airlines rightly or wrongly on the way they're being treated right now yeah and i think paul it's that judgment may they may be thinking about it now they may not be able to make a decision mm. now but in a year's time or two years time when they, whenever it's oh, come around i've had conversations with people straight up saying i will never fly with xyz airline again because of the yeah. way they've yeah. treated me over over the last 12 months yeah. yeah that's that's such an amazing example you know we always say people remember how you made them feel. Forget about the rest. Mm. But they, they won't remember what you said or what, yeah. what you've done. Yeah. They'll remember how you made how that made that feel. And there was a quick example there. Again, we've been getting all our deliveries through, you know, Woolies, Coles, and Harris Farms. And there was a couple of weeks where one of them stuffed it up. And then even my daughter, uh, she, she's a high school student. The other day, we, yesterday, we we're walking and she's like, she sees one of those trucks and she's like, you guys are never going to use that, are you? We're like, we will never use them again. However, the amazing experience that we've had with Harris Farms, I'll, I'll go to town with advocate for them every single time, the way they deliver, the way they replace product. If the product is not uh, in the box, is crushed, you, you, they don't even ask um, for mm. proof m- most of the time. That, that's an amazing experience. So I would yeah. choose Harris Farms head over heels, over the monopolistic, duopolistic players out there. I was just going to say, that just speaks volumes to the cost center versus revenue center piece too. I mean, like you look at the the pure value of what you just said, mate. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, as a direct result of a positive experience, you're a customer for life. Tell me that's not a revenue center. Mm -hmm. And and a direct flow onto that with the Singapore Airlines example, again, I received a beautiful email from them just a, just a couple of days ago saying, we really value you as a customer. We really appreciate the fact that you have taken a couple of flights this year. We are going to extend your, your gold status membership for another 12 months. Here it is. Now, that has cost them absolutely nothing because nobody's flying anyway. So the, the cost of extending everyone's status membership to the airline is, is almost negligible. But the value of at least saying to a customer, hey, we value you. We've taken the time to write to you and we're going to extend your status for another 12 months brilliant piece of um, using what's available at your disposal that doesn't cost a lot of money to just check in with our customers and remind them that we appreciate them. If you've got a cost center mindset, you know, we all know what that means. That's managing budgets. Mm. That's managing costs down. That's coming up the reasons why you cannot or won't do, you know, or making life difficult ultimately at the end of the day, which Mm. short term, but longer term is, 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 is a real, is a real impact. So, I want to now explore the leadership bit because when we talk about this, and I think this is what frustrates a lot of us sometimes, we just get it. So we're, I'm not worried that, and even Eric gets it. So, you know, about what we're doing here. We know why this is so important. And maybe it is a leadership thing. And I think it is a leadership thing, which is why this topic. So why do we think it's still not top of house, top of priority? Eric's done how many podcasts, Eric, you've done now? Just on, well, just a little bit over 160 conversations, yeah. mate. Okay, 160 conversations with some very senior people and everything else. This topic isn't really coming up in terms of the customer engagement, lifetime customers, customer success. So what's, what do we think isn't happening from a leadership perspective here? What, what, what are we missing? 
what's or what potentially is the opportunity so you know Greece boss is gonna is gonna go and take over the world with um with all their sponsorships and watch out for these guys you know Paul's first contact is gonna really take over Singapore and everything else and and Barris's product for the government is gonna go and make 100 billion and everything else so what's gonna be the difference what's 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 the leadership things that are just we're missing out on here? It's it's early days for our organisation. So we're in a fortunate position where we can benefit from, you know, decades of uh, leadership learnings uh, and the team that we're building are savvy enough to value the topics that we're discussing today. So I would put that, you know, very much in our favour and, and, and our path to success, hopefully, because we're receptive to these ideas. We don't have the preconceived notions. We don't have the history. And we've got some, you know, uh, young young energy in the business that's pre- prepared to embrace these uh, these mindsets from the outset. Now, I think the um, somebody commented on it before that the whole process starts from the top. So if you see and uh, and are led by example from the leadership team, uh, and you know they're practicing what they preach around customer comes first, customer success, and there's a reasoning behind it. I believe that we can sort of foster that nature from the outset for our organization. As I say, we're fortunate, you know, some of the guys on the call here are dealing with much bigger organizations and, and, and probably a little bit more history uh, in, in terms of people's mindsets in the business. I was going to say, Kev, I think it's a bit like government and you're going to take a short-term view or a long-term view uh, in terms of, in terms of costs. And um, realistically, most businesses in most sectors have taken a significant hit in revenue and profitability unless you're Netflix um, over the last couple of years. So naturally (laughs) everyone's looking at costs and and they should be. Um, But I always ask the question from a leadership perspective, um, yes, we have to look at the cost of doing something, but we also have to look at the cost of not doing it. So if we're not investing in our product or our service or our employees what's it going to cost us in the long term are we is is this going to cost us customers is this going to increase staff turnover which is going to create long-term flow-on costs so there's the short-term view what is the cost of doing this and there's the long-term view what's the cost of not doing it yep yep i totally totally agree that and it's some really interesting insights and barris you want to is anyone want to share i want to go i just want to chuck something else in a part of this so any thoughts just there barris Hell yeah. This one's close to my heart because again, you know, I've been through the whole gamut, you know, startups, uh, mid-sized, you know, large organization. Now, even the government, the enterprise level complexity that comes in, I guess it's, again, I've struggled with this in the past and I've come to peace with it. And I've actually found the great formula that works. And, you know, when you think about customer, you, you, ha- you have many, many stakeholders, you have your customers, you have your shareholders, and you have the internal stakeholders, your colleagues uh, across the departments as well as your employees now finding that harmony between that is the gameplay which is which is brilliant now when you think about that you're trying to find that harmony it takes a while and i and i and i've struggled with it the learning that i got from that was as a leader i need to put my ego aside and that's the first thing that i've done why why weren't people seeing what i absolutely know to be the truth that customers are the real bosses who will fire you or who will keep you alive this is where the company the great companies survive and many leaders weren't getting that and then understanding that then you know i switched up my game to actually harmonize myself with all these different touch points within an organization to say okay we need to put our egos aside what are we trying to achieve at the end of the day and really know your why I started, you can go into my LinkedIn, you'll see, I start with my why. You need to broadcast this to the world. 
you need to broadcast it every time you actually get into a, get into a meeting, get into a get into any kind of engagement. So people understand exactly where you stand. Because when it comes to the crunch, when you're having those difficult conversations, you can always rely on your why. The rest of the audience who's having that conversation with you, they know exactly where you're coming from. You put your ego aside, you fight for the customer at every single turn by finding what is best for the customer, but at the same time, shareholders. At, at the same time, stake, uh, yeah, stakeholders. You know, sales teams are renowned for this. Sales teams want everything two weeks ago. So how do you ensure that you... <laughs> How do you ensure that you actually ensure that you empathize with exactly what they're trying to say, but that always with being customer-led, having that empty seat next to you saying, this is John who is sitting next to me is actually keeping us everyone accountable. And at the end of the day, we need to ensure that the decision that we make is weighing heavily on our customer's side, as well as pieces of the pie you can actually carve out for yourself. It's all about ego. It's all about knowing your purpose individually as a leader and communicating that over and over again, and actually um, having that conviction to fight for the customer at every turn. Eric, how does that sit there in terms of some great points, Barris, and the team of Paul and Nanda? Where does that sit in to reflect back on your, to the why in this vision, leaving those egos? You know, there's a whole born or bred type, type discussion that comes in here, which we'll have another day again. But um, there's some interesting points Paul, Adam, and Barris have just raised there about leadership. So, where I've does been, that sit? I've been I've been mud mapping this out as as you guys were speaking, and I've, I, I'm just doing some thinking out loud here. So often uh, in the podcast that I do and the stuff we've done with the network, it's about looking at what are the leader capabilities that are going to push you forward, whatever they look like. And so things that have come up like being authentic, emotional intelligence, foresight, strategic thinking, all very core attributes of effective leaders in different settings. And I guess uh, what I think it was, Paul, you brought up cost of action versus the cost of inaction when it comes to elements of your business, including dealing with what I would assume in these conversations is the customer, which is your key strategic stakeholder, if you're looking external to the business. Now, when you talk about leader capabilities, often the discussion and it's about the longevity of the organization and the people that work in the organization, not necessarily the customer element, That how that fits into models of leadership is, I think, often not discussed well. I know that they exist, but it's not core business when you're talking about leader leadership and leadership outcomes. And then if you look external to the business, you've got customers, you've got government, you've got competitors. And I think in that environment, is your cust- if your customer, if you believe your customer is your strategic stakeholder, either they are or they aren't. And that makes a difference to what are you going to put as energy into making sure that you deliver for that person. Now, if you think of leadership as a continuum where you've got those that are setting culture and leading the place to those that are on the front line, how do you marry the two up so that the leaders that are a few degrees removed from the customer understand that the longevity of their business counts on having repeat customers and building a customer base? So I think that's where the discussion is left. That's the feeling I get and this is first view of this for me, but I think where you put the customer in your leadership model and what does that mean for the people that interact with those customers is very important because Adam made a good point there that if you're a small startup and you're a very small organization, being customer focused and in the face of your customers is a necessity because you don't have layers of organization to do that and it's something you don't have to worry about. I think as the businesses grow, the benefit of having people to do that is you can outsource that skill because you buy those skills in like any good entrepreneur will do if they don't 
have the skills themselves, but that doesn't mean it's going to get done well. And so this this is a very nuanced conversation and I, I don't have an answer here other than I think the thinking on this still needs to be expanded from what I can see initial initial discussions. Yeah, no, thank you, Eric. And I think it's as part of the series that we've done together, it's been interesting how some of these um, the, the resonates and and uh, I remember the, vid, the Barris video on, on the why and we've always, you know, Simon and Mr. Seneca has come up a number of times and it, it is still a bit of a gap, you know, in terms of well, even when you listen to, to some of the businesses you you say you just still don't quite get it i've come up with a statement but is it authentic do i believe you know i'm at the center of this do i feel it's it's really important in your day to day and this is where our, our people know it i mean we talk about i don't know you've all said it you know it's about the leader walking around and we may have had that great session but the time when i have to make that decision or you make that decision on behalf of the business do i back you do i support you you know, are, are we committed committed to that to that process? And I think a bit like you said, Eric, you know, and with Adam with the startup, which is why it's fascinating to have Adam's insights here. And and I know Paul and Barris have been through it. You know, you you know how critical having that customer success is and then coming back again, because that starts to create your cash flow. But there becomes a point where if you're not careful as a leader, it slips off the radar because everything else takes over. So I think on and that, I think that's where a lot of businesses got it wrong. Yeah, I think on that, they, especially in larger siloed organisations, it's that it really comes back to that top-down approach. And you look at the well-beating organisations in customer experience. It's about that that great saying: if you're not serving a customer, you're serving someone who is. So if you're in finance or HR. Um, it's, it's the best leaders in these organizations that are getting it right have managed to get that message across all functional areas that even if you're not directly serving a customer, you're still involved in the process of serving yeah. a customer. Uh, yeah. And that should be at the core fundamental of decision making throughout the entire organization. But that, that can only come from very strong leadership um, where, where that is a core principle and a core message that goes through all, all departments. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I think but- it's gone, Barris. No, Kevin, yeah, both, you know, Eric was, again, thinking about examples and also Paul, that strong leadership, again, what I've noticed, when there is a lack of representation of each customer journey point in when you have a leadership meeting, when you have that leadership, the board that you create has to have a balance of every department being actually represented. So the voice can actually be heard. Practical examples that I've implemented in the past to ensure that all the leaders are actually walking in the shoes of our customers was utilizing every single month. Um, there used to be MPS detractor callback sessions where it will be open sessions for a week where um, anyone can drop in, especially the leaders. And then they'll be able to listen point blank to a customer's complaint where actually they're complaining about a certain issue with the product and service. The other point is ensuring that the customer service people who hear who are the closest to our customers are actually including the product and service development cycles. What that means is that they, feed, they grab the feedback, they categorize it, they actually prioritize depending on the volume of it, and then bring it to the product and technology people saying, these are the gaps and these are what, we, what our customers are actually screaming about. So we feed that back into the product lifecycle. So it becomes a flywheel of feedback received, feedback synthesized, feedback delivered to the product people to actually fix it at the beginning of the funnel to ensure that we can actually improve the experience as we're going. So representation at the board, at the leadership level has to have everyone's voice 
every department's voice there. And those leaders have to be courageous enough with the data points that is collected from the customer service people, that is collected from the salespeople who are having these conversations with your customers directly every single day. And then those data points are actually fed in to decision-making model where you have what we call product councils or some companies call them steering committees where the leaders who have heard it from their employees and hear it again at these let's say monthly steering committees to say okay guys this is what we have this is the data and this is how we're going to actually approach it with everyone's uh, voice heard yeah. i think it's interesting and adam i don't know if say but i one of the things i've pulled out from there is that willingness to hear hear the hard news you know that willingness to go and get it right from source you know and whether that is adam you know you going out to one of your might and just physically saying i'm going to show you exactly what this is and you're going to have to listen to my but then and i think listening is the key phrase there because i may be talking about x but in reality it's it's impact me in in a b c d e as well so it's that empathy and that understanding of the whole issue and the whole context just not treating it as oh i've logged your response here's a number we get back to you and we value your service we value your feedback but thanks we're, we're not going to do anything with it and i think that's it's one of the things i think it's that getting used to it's okay you want people to give you feedback you want this sometimes having that negative or that challenging feedback means you're testing the system because it means you're, you're testing the where it's going so we always used to talk we had a great presentation from a large corporate you know a couple of years ago at one of our summits where he was saying all green is bad, right? All green is bad. You are not using this right. You're not getting the right feedback. You're not measuring the right things. If I do not see some red on it, because it means you, you don't understand fully what is going on. Sorry to interrupt. Is it a function yeah. that most human beings, whether you're in a leadership role or not, you don't want to get bad news or you don't want to get feedback that upsets the apple card? Because I, I guess as human beings, I'm, I'm trying to be fed income here. And if you don't agree with me, please shoot me down on this. But I reckon the innate human position on this is that if you got in your mind that your product is awesome or the service is awesome and someone comes back with negative feedback, I think it's human nature at times to go, maybe it's a problem with the customer, not me. And I think that attitude is a little bit too pervasive. I've experienced it myself. I won't mention the businesses I've dealt with that have done that, but I've felt as a customer at times, or maybe it was my fault and I, I put too much pressure on the person delivering the service or giving me the good. Now, I'm not saying this happens everywhere, but I guess how you receive and interpret feedback and then act on it is a real big issue. And I would say it doesn't matter whether you're a leader or not. It's a skill that needs to be built. And that um, I think the best leaders I've met and the best customer service people I've met thrive on um, not so much positive feedback because they can see where the gaps are and helps them to get a better outcome the next time. It's like when leaders make a mistake, if you learn from that mistake, you're going to only get better over time, not get worse. Some of the most loyalty-inducing customer experiences come out of situations where things haven't gone right or a product hasn't worked or a customer's not getting what they want because it's all about the response to that. And, and when the response is well handled uh, and, and results in a, in a good recovery or, or an exceptional situation where we can turn that around and give the customer what they want by listening to them and empathising, and that's where... You know, coming back to that that Apple example, they they've understood that and they've invested heavily in in a strong and positive response because they they don't they're not under any illusion that every product they send out is a hundred percent fault proof. Eric, it goes back to what you were just saying. You know, okay, leadership. It's 
you know, majority of leaders now lip get, lay, lay on the lip service of our oh, courage, our oh, authenticity, our oh, vulnerability. <laughs> the real practitioners get comfortable with failure. The real practitioners understand the human psychology and understand the human psychology from their own reflection. It's like being self-aware. I'm a human being. I know I have needs. And when you think about psychology, and that's why I love social psychology, psychology labels stuff, how a social psychology sees how you operate in your environment. We have emotional, we have functional and social needs as human beings. So these are the intents that we need to actually cross with the messages that are being bombarded. As a leader, you need to make decisions every single time. So what what people label as problems, again, as a leader, I actually say that's not a problem, it's actually an opportunity. There has been a kink in our armor in this customer experience that we're trying to provide for the world with our products and services. There's a kink in our armor. I create mantras, mantras around all of this to say, we're tackling an opportunity. Understand the situation. After you understand the situation, I want you to come up with a hypothesis. I'm going to give you the guardrails to experiment the hell out of it. And I expect you to fail 80% of the time trying to solve for that opportunity so we can improve that experience with the feedback loop that we've created. So you can really tell when a leader is true, a true, courageous, vulnerable leader, when they can actually take it on the chin and say, yeah, okay, that actually makes sense. We stuffed up there. How can we actually soldier on? I think, I think it's an interesting point. And we're just coming to uh, so nearly on the hour. So with Adam, I suppose that learning cycle, um, and I think we would have been born through it, but you must be going through it now, is, is so critical to, especially in your startup phase, to be learning agile, taking on board things that are going on, reacting the right way to the customer, and that whole being honest and authentic is is what gets you through this next stage of of growing of growing the business. So, how's what's some of the key things that that you've learned in terms of how you get that learning cycle going? I was just going to say that you know, like it's really good to hear like-minded individuals on the call. It's been fantastic to hear that these guys are thinking uh, along the same lines as I'm thinking already. Um, to answer your question, the benefit for us at Grease Boss is, is again, the agility to move quickly uh, and, yes, to hear, uh, hear the feedback, good, bad or ugly. And trust me, when you're dealing with the mining industry, they don't hold back. If it's bad, you'll know, right? So um, yep. when we hear our negative feedback, I take that as a gold nugget, right? We turn that into the next uh, iteration of product development rapidly because at the end of the day, we want the customer to get what they want, but more selfishly, we want to spin that into um, a golden web and make it bigger, better and stronger for everyone. So we are quite comfortable with looking at our wounds, getting it wrong a lot of times so that ultimately we get it right up. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. No, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. Just from this conversation now, what what's some just couple of things that really resonated with you. And I'm happy here, whether it's just reconfirming um, what you're already saying. So one of the big things we want to get away is takeaways here. So when people are listening to us, what's the sort of, of key takeaways that, that you would be offering back to this audience? For me, and just while you're thinking about that, knowing the, um, the experience and, and working with Paul and Barris and, uh, and with Adam uh, more recently, I, I think you've uncovered some, some great things here and some great thoughts Paul, I love you for ease, you know, without seeing too much thunder. The moments, Barris, you know, that whole real understanding those real critical moments um, and understanding what motivates your customer and, and your employees. It, it comes out from there. I, I love the customer success iteration, you know, because it 
puts the customer in, in that in that terms of, of where we're going and and that whole how quickly we make decisions i think we under we do it in a day-to-day life you know we go somewhere visit somewhere we, we seem to not think that when we go into a business so some some great takeaways for me there just to summarize but um barris no i've got to paul paul first what would be your key takeaways so i think um in, in the context of it being the beginning of 2022, I don't think we can say we're coming out of COVID, but we're definitely on a path to, to living with it. So the question of what's going to get you back on a plane or back into the office or back into a shop, and, and the key word is experience. Um, we've got to be building and delivering experiences now that are going to draw people back into these places. And, and that's going to come down to those top those top down decisions about what kind of environment are we going to create what type of response are we going to create how are we going to take care of people um and, and make them comfortable so i'm happy to leave it at that no that's great adam yeah look i mean i think the greatest takeaway for me is to encourage businesses not to be afraid of failure to embrace failure and turn it into a positive i really believe that's um super powerful item in 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 the quiver um, there's a lot more to the puzzle, of course, but you know, at the end of the day, uh, it's easy for me to say because I've got a lens that's relatively uh, focused. And I think at the end of the day, at the end, I just want to be treated uh, a certain way as a customer, and that's the way I I look at every every interaction. How would I like this to go? And if you sort of break it down to that, it's not that hard, is it? No, that's a great point you made there. Great point you made there, Barris. For me, it's always about keeping a human. You know, I. Again, uh, I'm nothing if I'm not uh, supported by my people. And then going above and beyond to ensure that they can actually make their own mark. Also believing that they actually belong because people who belong, they actually thrive. As long as you can actually really say, right, the North Star is X. This is the way we're going to head towards that. It's just keep it human. The human psychology is simple. Understand what those intents are and just have that relationship. A great point, Barris. Eric. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. For me, it, uh, based on the topic today, I, I guess COVID has been a uh, a teacher of sort as to how how people in business deal with ambiguity, and that ambiguity also stretches to what will customers expect different from you in terms of service and how you engage with them. So, going back to something Paul said, I think it's important that. We empower people to do things, but it's also important for businesses to pivot on what they thought customer relations and interactions were and what that looks like into the future when you're dealing with something like a pandemic. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a pandemic because business conditions can change on the drop of a you know drop of a dime. And so how quickly can we pivot and how do we um, make sure that we don't lose the human element because without our customers, we don't have businesses don't assume people want your product because if you treat them like crap, they're not going to come back to you. And word of mouth is a killer. Um, and I think uh, just to end things for me, uh, the people that I've met in my, my personal journey as a leader, but through conversations like this in the consulting game will tell you don't make assumptions. And if when you do, that's the end of your business. And so I think um, constantly coming back to the purpose of what you're trying to do with your customer is an important leadership trait. And I think there, there's a gap there that um, we could keep talking about and I'd be real happy to keep the conversation going. So thanks for the opportunity, gents. This was good. Well, thank you very much. And I think this has been a great start to 2022 as part of our Best Practice Network Talking Leadership podcast series, talking about customer experience, customer excellence, and and customer success. So can I thank Paul from Melbourne, hopefully Singapore soon. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And Barris, Barris, we look forward to uh, seeing you up in Queensland. Can't wait, mate. Can't wait. (laughs) 
and Adam Greaseboss. I think we're going to be catching up during the year anyway. So thanks for your time and appreciate your uh, your uh, your insights into your startup journey. No, thank you, Kevin. Guys, thanks for having me. Nice to meet you all. Go out there and make sure your customers succeed. What a great way to end the podcast. Thanks very much, guys.